Guys, what's up? Hey, Sean Work and Susie Lee. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning everyone. Uh, what's happening with you guys this morning? It's going good right now, just getting everything ready for the day and just, you know, trying to make sure we're planning and thinking about some of the things we need to do uh, for our teams, our organization and helping agents out there to grow their business, especially right now during, um, you know, COVID-19 and during shelter in place. So today I actually want to introduce um, Sean Work. Sean Work is uh, one of the Wall Street Journal's top 100 agents, um, especially in the Bay Area. Sean's been killing it. Um, in 2019, he did 63 deals in 2019 as a solo agent. Uh, he has a team too, and they also do a lot of sales, but as a solo, he did 63 plus deals. And in totals, you know, it's over 800 deals in your lifetime career. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been blessed. You know, um, I've have worked really hard to try and build a business that's sustainable, and um, you know, reaping the rewards late uh, later in my career, and and uh, you know, have been loving real estate. I love connecting with with folks like uh, Susie and yourself, Matthew, and and um, you know, focused on growing and changing, and and uh, trying to be a, a leader in the industry. I think you've been doing pretty well, and. You know, like how long have you been in the industry? Uh, since 2004. So I, um, before that, I was in the military. I was in the Navy for six years and um, had been on three deployments and uh, had an opportunity to go work at the FBI. Um, in the Navy, I did uh, intelligence analyst. I was an Intel, uh, Intel guy and got out and uh, kind of said, you know what, I'm I'm uh, done with somebody owning me, let's just say, and I want to kind of do my own thing. And real estate provided a, a path for me to be my own um, my own boss, if you will, and build a business. And uh, so it's just been a really fruitful career for, for me, for my family, something that I've enjoyed, have made, have made so many great relationships and with clients and, you know, clients and peers. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's just been, it's been a blessing. Nice. You mentioned the U.S. Navy. You served in the U.S. Navy. That's funny. That's actually, you know, I, we all want to make sure to thank you for serving there. Um, thank you. I'm not, one thing I don't think you knew about yeah, me thank you, thank you. One thing you don't know about me is actually um, helped all the Department of Defense, all the um, U.S. Navy, Marines, everyone uh, with uh, all the tech for over eight plus years in um, security industry. How did you get involved in that, man? So yeah, I actually got recruited and hired into like I was doing IT and then I got hired into do, doing PKI encryption security. So what happened is I actually went to uh, work with Department of Defense, Pentagon, Office of Secretary of Defense, all the Joint Forces, Army, Navy, um, all the Marines, and everyone, and help help train up like a thousand engineers on high tech security. That was over eight plus years. That's incredible. So yeah, I probably know a lot of your friends over there in you know in the security sector. Yeah, was that in the, the Bay Area there, or were you? Yeah, Bay Area okay. here. You can uh, help train everyone, um, teach them, and build architecture remotely. So that's, that's one of the proponents of being a, a remote agent is because you know being able to be physically present in the Bay Area, but at the same time being able to be globally and remotely right. makes it a lot easier to build your model, to build your clientele, and create more relationships by you know learning how to understand technology to um, assist them faster and easier. Interesting. Well, I would say in the tech, uh, at the forefront of tech, you're you're definitely there. Um, and don't you see many of the uh, characteristics of what you've just described now happening in happening in the real estate world? 
Yeah, it's actually funny um, talking about that and just thinking back, back about it. Like, I think in military encryption, like they're way advanced, way ahead, and they thought out a lot of things because they have to be. And in real estate industry, when I came in 2008, it's pretty far behind. And everything that they're doing is like 20 years ago for me. Like, why does it take so long to catch up? And being remote and doing it for over 15 years, being able to serve anyone, help anyone uh, throughout the world is so much easier that way rather than thinking like a, a, at a small level where I can only assist people in my local area. You can go a lot bigger, faster this way. And build your base. Um, because uh, Matt definitely helps his team members like me uh, grow their business just exponentially. And he does that by technology. Like he just constantly creates and then, you know, only gets like two to four hours of sleep every night. So it's a hard worker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's changing all the time, isn't it? So it's not only trying to implement, um, you know, what's happening now, but also looking ahead and saying, hey, here's what's coming down coming down the pipe and how, you know, how am I going to use that forward thinking technology one or two years from now? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So some of the things we want to go about today is actually, we want to jump on and talk to you, Sean, about how to okay. live and sell properties um, during COVID-19 and shelter in place. Like how do agents go about selling property today? Well, that's a that's a pretty broad question, and I and I love I'd love to tackle it and eat the elephant, if you will. But um, you know, really, we're, if, if we're talking to agents out there right now, it's like um, Matthew. We were talking this morning. I spent two hours last night revamping a bit of my listing presentation, and so now you know where I'm going with this is, folk uh, agents out there should be sharpening their sword right now and working on their skills, working on their consultation, uh, um, you know, rebuilding this, the, the systems around their, their listing, pre, uh, listing presentation, consultation, whatever you want, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And here are the notes for me, you know, even, and I would say that, you know, um, after listing or, or selling over 800 homes, you know, you'd think you'd have this dialed, right? Yeah. But we're always packing and moving and, and changing. Awesome. And if I'm, if I'm trying to sell the property the, the, or have a listing consultation uh, today, the same way I was doing it 10 years ago, I'm going to lose because sale, the sales game has changed so much. Uh, and, and in reality, it's not so much of a sales game anymore. Uh, it's more of a, a consultation and a problem-solving game. And so I, the, the thing that I would first share with somebody who, who is asking this question, how do we list or sell homes in a, you know, in this environment, I would say, well, go back to the model that you were using before. What did that look like? And for about 90% of agents, they didn't have a model of how they would do the listing consultation or presentation before. You know, you've seen this before, Matthew, managing an office. I've seen it before in the same capacity. It's like, uh, somebody gets a listing presentation and it's like all hands on deck, you know, it's going to be in four hours and we need to get all this information. Now there's no system systematization to their presentation. So what I would say is go back first of all, and um, tighten up your system. What does it look like before you even get, before we are even having a zoom call before I'm even sitting down with a client, what, what does that system look like? Have I, done my research about uh, about who they are. Do I know what other properties they've owned? Have I sent them a pre-listing packet uh, electronically or even physically? 
you know, something that they can touch with my mark with my marketing and branding. So those are, you know, and I could dive in super deep into, into, into that system related thing, but if we want to keep it at 30,000 feet, um, you got to get creative and you, you, you really got to win. Um, and so how do we, how do we do that? You know, with it, with COVID-19, um, what I would say is that your goal right now is to make your seller uh, is to make your seller feel safe. You know, uh, one of the things that we've come up with now is what we call a safety strategy. You know, folks are wondering what does the liability look like for for showing the house. Um, uh, you know, so what what we've came up with is what I call a safety strategy. And here's what it looks like, Matt. If I was listing your house. I would say, Matthew, um, I'm going to treat your home like my home. And we've developed a safety strategy that looks like this. We're extremely precautious. Um, I feel it's my personal responsibility as your agent to help facilitate these showings. And as a result, we're going to ensure that people who are showing your house uh, are wearing shoe covers, have masks, have gloves on, that we have sanitizer there, that only one adult enters the home at one time and no children. And or we have another option for you. And so again, we want to give we want to give the clients options. The other option might be that, hey, we're we're gonna accept offers contingent upon physical inspection and we'll set one specific showing time so that we can get we can get everyone in in a short period of time. You can sanitize and then we can we can move forward from there. So you know, if you're asking me specifically during this time, I think it's extremely important that you deliver the message of how you're going to take precautions and make, make sure that they're, that they're protected and safe. That's very true. And it, you know, making sure they're protected and safe is one of the most important, you know, uh, ways to help protect clients and making sure to reduce liability. Um, it's definitely hard to say, you know, where someone gets, uh, the virus from and hopefully no one gets it, uh, right. especially at open houses and uh, private showings and, you talked about, you know, uh, there's different ways to show the house and uh, different things that agents should be thinking about upfront on how to market a house right now. Um, can you kind of dive into that further? Sure. I mean, uh, basically, you know, we've gone um, for, for many agents who haven't um, been providing virtual tours, Matterport, um, aerial video, um, even, uh, you know, a Facebook live video or, uh, you know, Zillow has come out with your ability to walk the property with a, with a cell phone and then upload that to, to Zillow. Um, all of those are imperative right now. Um, you know, typically we only see about 20% of agents providing those added, um, marketing benefits. It's been part of our package all along. Um, I feel that, uh, and I know you guys are the same way as a team. Um, and individually, we're feeling like, uh, um, you know, that that's part of our standard, right? And so uh, now it just becomes even more important. So all of those, the, the, the Facebook pushes, the boosts, uh, targeted boosts, if you will, the, the targeted emails going out to other agents, um, all those are, are imperative, uh, you know, now. And so what does that look like? You know, um, we're tracking the numbers. Typically, when you look, when you list a lot of properties, you'll see a ratio, right? So, um, Matthew, you know, in the, in the past, hey, I've known for every 20 people that I can get into a house, for instance, I know that's going to equate to one offer, right? 
So now we're rethinking how, what those numbers look like in order to provide a level of customer service to our client and say, hey, based on all these online um, um, online traffic that we're seeing, how many hits on Zillow, how many people are looking out on Facebook, uh, how many responses to email, we're trying to come up with a formula, a ratio of what that's going to look like to equate to offers now. Uh, and that way we can tweak our online activity. We can tweak the things that are exposing the listing to the marketplace so that we can we can elicit offers. Do you think you're actually help? tracking that? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you it's funny you say that because we track it and we send it out every Tuesday to our clients. Nice. I've always been an advocate of of customer service and um you know, most of the time agents, they'll take the listing and then it's like the client doesn't hear from them until there's an offer or a showing. What we've gotten really great at is what we call the Tuesday, uh, the Tuesday update. <clears throat> now, my, my assistant does this for me, but simply put it because here's what happened this past week. Here's the showing activity. You know, in a normal market, here was the open house activity. Um, here's how many flyers were handed out or, or, or delivered. Uh, all those all those tracking measures so that at the end of the week what we want to express to the client is here's the activity that we're spending money on that we're investing time in and that we're exposing your listing to the marketplace now what does that do for us ultimately if we're tracking those numbers we can go back and have a conversation with the Matthew and I were talking about earlier this morning on our pre-call is like price reductions or, or pricing the property effectively. At the end of that, that timeline, we can go back and there's no way that the client will tell us, you haven't done, Susie, you haven't done a great job of marketing the property because we're, we're serving that up to them each week. And so when we're going back and we can have a conversation, what, what, um, what sells a house, there's six different factors in what sells a house. For those of you who may be listening, you might want to write this down, but one is access. So are we having an issue with access right now in our industry? Yes. And when you think about this in a, in a normal capacity, does a vacant house sell quicker or faster at a higher price than an occupied house? I think most agents would say from the gut, yeah. Does a tenant occupied property sell uh, quicker than a vacant property? Well, we all know vacant property is going to sell quicker because most of the time you're going to have some issues getting in for with the tenant occupied property. So one is access, uh, two is price, three is location, four is the agent that you hire, five is the condition, and six is market timing. And I think you guys will agree that all of those play in and around each other. They play in the same on the same field. Um, and you know, price needs to be, for instance, if the property is in terrible condition, the price needs to reflect that. If the market timing is depressed, the price needs to reflect it. If it's, if it's, if we're having a crazy, wonderful market, then the price is going to go up. So what, you know, the, the conversation at the end of that week can look like, Hey, you know, I've done a great job at marketing. That's what the numbers say. You know, I've done, you know, the location is great. You've just remodeled the property. The market timing, you know, uh, as far as our MLS, I know your MLS is a little different. Things are still selling. 150 properties closed escrow yesterday. 140 went pending. Uh, only 120 new listings came on the market. So the ebb and the flow, at least here in the Sacramento, you know, Sacramento area, it's been very, very strong. So I can go back and use these 
uh, these uh, characteristics of a cell to fight for that price reduction so that at the end of the day, I can question it and say, well, which one, the, which one of these factors do you think is the reason why your house isn't selling or getting showings? And it just gives me, that gives me a lot of leverage. So that's a tactic and technique that I use to get the listing pushed um, to a mutual beneficial spot for both me and for, and for the seller. And um, if I can just chime in, uh, Sean, I know that uh, you're definitely true to your words because, um, you know, as you know, you and I are working on a listing together. And uh, for that, Sean has implemented all of those six factors very well. Um, he's, he's a pro at those. And even in these conditions, even if those conditions are not ideal, uh, he still makes things work. So uh, very, very, um, yeah, kudos to you. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my, my follow-up question. Yourself. <laughs> um, have you seen a difference in response rate from you know agents, buyers, and sellers for showing houses pre-COVID versus now? Definitely, and um, you know I think it's part of uh, uh, if I could try and articulate it, it's part of uh, you know the fight or flight. Many agents have gone into that I'm seeing have gone into, we all, we, let me back up and say, we all know that about 90 to 95% of the business in real estate is done by five to 10% of the agents. And so, you know, when we first started this, I started seeing a lot of negative stuff on social media and hearing things in certain, in, in inner circles in my peer group, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be detrimental to our business. And a lot of agents are still stuck in that. They're head in the ground. They're not out there fighting they're, they're, they're not being the lamb or they're not being the tiger. Instead, they're being the lamb. Well, here's the way I look at it. 150 properties sold yesterday. 150 properties sold the day before. 150 properties sold the day before. It's kind of weird that those numbers are about the same. And, I, and it's not that exact number. But let's just say over the past three days, that's 450 homes that sold in our marketplace. Why, why aren't agents going out there and getting it? What I'm seeing is is a larger supply, a larger demand for the agents that are out there fighting for their business and doing the work every day, making the connections, providing value, getting their butts up and getting on social media and doing things like this. I'm seeing they're taking market share right now. And so to, to you know, kind of talk around where you're going with this, it's I've seen more activity out of the, out of the fighters and less activity out of those agents who've got their head in the sand and and who aren't fighting aren't the agents out there some of them are saying you know hey uh buyers can't get loans right now they're stuck uh, everyone's worried about a job there's no no jumbo loan transactions so how can they buy um matt it's it you gotta work harder man you know those those agents have to work harder yesterday i'm doing a and and i'll, I'll get back to this if you guys remind me who are the pools of buyers and sellers in the marketplace right now. And we can have that discussion, but um, I'm doing a light industrial deal for an essential service steel manufacturing company right now who uh, supplies, supplies steel to the department of defense. They need an industrial property. What do you think has happened to the commercial lending arena right now? It's super tight. It's contracting even worse than the, you know, residential uh, mortgages. And so what does it mean? It means I got to get my butt on the phone and I, instead of calling one person to get a, to get a um, referral or to get a, a, an estimate of what that loan looks like yesterday, I had to call about a dozen. Finally was able to get put in the right direction. I just had to spend more time on servicing the client. 
um, more time on doing the, re the background research. And, you know, today by noon, I'll have about three estimates for, for, for these guys. So it just means you got to, you know, you got to work harder, man. Eight hour days no longer cut it in our industry. It doesn't. To be honest with you, you know, and, and Suthi alluded that to you, to, you know, in, in a good way to what you're doing right now. I mean, those people who are fighting, it's wartime, it really. And if you don't think about it like that, um, you know, my fear is that, you, that you're going to get leapfrogged. Yeah, it's really right late. now. I think a lot of people late to, to, to refill your pipeline. If you're not refilling that pipeline now, and you, you know, like I'm looking at, at, at my pipeline going, okay, we're going to list this one in June. We're going to list this one in July. We're going to list this one in August. You got to have a pipeline that I, and I've always said this and, and, and hopefully it doesn't offend anybody, but I've always said, you got to have a pipeline that throws up on you. <laughs> it's throwing up deals, you know? So anyway, go ahead. Sorry, yes, no, no, definitely. No, I, 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 you could tell exactly how passionate you are about helping your clients and sell and serve them. And especially now, you know, one thing to look at is like, when you look at the lending industry, and I, I used to be a more a loan officer too, for a couple of years, and I helped my clients with investors and their loans. Right now, it's, it has a little reminiscence to 2008. When you look back at loans right now, a lot of Yes, a lot of lenders are shutting down their um, their jumbo loans right now, their investments. And what happens here is everything's going to be a little more stringent, a little more tight. For example, some investment loans might go from 20% to 25%. Some yep. jumbo loans might be shut out. Uh, but what happens here is you need to go out as an agent or as even as a client. Go look for more lenders out there. Go talk to all the expert lenders out there who have been in the industry, who understand the industry, who know how to navigate it. Yes, there are some banks who say, hey, for example, uh, this bank, this big national bank, we only will service loans in our for our previous clientele who has existing you know relationships other banks will say we'll take new money if you can you know down pay a little bit more or else if you can do uh, private private client funds and just for the normal person too there are other options as well and you have right. to talk to everyone because right. everyone has a different program a different guidelines different overlays meaning additional criteria and if you don't ask then you're gonna just be shut out from the market and if you don't understand that you're taking a uh, risk of not being able to find a good deal right now and once you understand that like even for one of my clients i talked to like six different lenders four lenders said no and i, I already understand why they say no in their policies but the other two lenders said yes let's go from here and keep analyzing it further to make sure your client fits but if you can fit there has been some great deals happening right now and even if i say hey in the next year the market's going to drop that still is a good deal right now to buy it for the future if you miss it then you know you can always wait but things will happen when you wait too long i completely agree the, the thing that i would add to that is you know really that's your fiduciary obligation to your client as well if you're i don't know any lenders you know so for example yeah. right Right. If you're not, um, if, if you don't know what kind of loan programs are out there to service your client, it's kind of like being a doctor and not understanding what kind of prescription medication is out there to help your client. I, I see it as the same relationship. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of agents just because of their own um, lack or desire to get out into the marketplace and understand the financial industry. You know, they say, hey, I'm boxed in here. I'm just going to focus on real estate. Well, that's really not your job. It's And in, in, in that capacity, to use another analogy, it's like being a, a, a general contractor and not understanding all the different aspects of how the house is put, how a house is put together, um, you know, and relying on the subcontractors to do the job. You're the general, man. you got to get out there and, and help build the house in a, in, in a wonderful manner 
for your for your client in understanding what's best for them. Exactly. And I understand, you know, like, for example, some people might say that, you know, finance and lending is not in their you know wheelhouse. But at the same time, you have to, you know, just ask questions and talk to the right people, ask many more questions and talk to many more people. Because one person might say, hey, I understand this bank, and everything. But if you don't go out and talk to every single bank, every single broker out there who does loans, who are on the top and tell you what they can provide, they might have a product that fits your client. And if you just waste that, then you're wasting a uh, opportunity for your buyer or for your seller to go for, for forward. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, we've been able to sell many deals and uh, save many deals in thinking outside of the box and understand and, and making phone calls to masters in the industry who have done these types of things before. So uh, what I would say, you know, and, and here's where I'm going with this is agents use all all means available to you whether that's your broker, whether it's somebody else's broker, whether it's somebody you respect in the industry, somebody in the lending arena or a financial services world, uh, you know, use all the resources available not to lose a deal. Um, your goal is to fight right now, specifically fight for every client. Um, and that's really fighting for your business. And they'll reward you and send you referrals forever for that. I still get, you know, cre getting creative uh, in a good way um, is, is really your job. Right. Especially during times like these. Especially during times like these. Sean, and also to go back to your point earlier, uh, you mentioned that there's a lot of negative news right now, right? And quite frankly, the real estate has been booming for the past 10 years. And I know a lot of agencies just been riding the tide in terms of, you know, enjoying the housing market when it was doing really well. Um, but real estate is really not a business where you just come in when the times are good and then back out when the times are bad. Right. So those that Correct. stick it through thick and thin are the ones that actually have skills like you who are adapting to the changing environment. And you're basically, you know, being flexible and also catering to your clientele and basically fulfilling those needs. Right. So like you said, Correct. you know, five to 10 percent of agents do 90 to 95 percent of the deals. So you're absolutely right on that. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there that um, you're really adapting well, to the environment and providing the needs for our clients um definitely and and you know if you thought about your business as a retail store it's like this you know you're not going to be selling ski jackets in summer right and in the in the winter time you're not going to be selling uh swim trunks and it's the same in real estate right now your marketing strategy as an agent has to change to fit the dynamic of who's buying and who's selling right now and that's the importance of being a student of the market, watching the numbers come out every day so that you can start to analyze. You know, I come from this military background of an analyzing everything. <clears throat> so it's like I, I'm looking at all these numbers and trying to put a piece, uh, the puzzle together saying, you know, not only for myself, but for my team and now uh, my organization, trying to say, hey, where are we going to be in six months and where should we be targeting uh, you know, where should we be targeting so that we can have a full pipeline of whoever's going to be purchasing or selling in the marketplace at that time? So, uh, Sean, uh, you've been in the real estate market since 2004. Um, how does this current market compare to the previous economic downturns that you've experienced in the past? Well, it's, it's funny, you know, as part of, as part of that, and great question, by the way, um, as part of that um, analysis, you know, I'm at Home Depot and I'm at Lowe's over this past weekend. And you know what? There's not one parking spot open 
at Lowe's or Home Depot. One of those mine. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm hearing this, you know, we're doing Zoom. In fact, I've got, you know, six other Zoom calls lined up today uh, with folks across the, the nation. I'm hearing the same thing um, from everybody. And what that tells me is, you know, people are out there spending money. There's still consumer confidence, at least in the housing world. Um, people are fixing their places up. They're getting ready for spring and summer. So I don't see, you know, the, the thing that obviously affects our market our, our industry, um, more than anything, is is supply. I've been watching the numbers, uh, not only locally, but across the U.S. Supply is still super low. Um, things are still selling. You know, we've seen days on market go up a little bit. Um, we're seeing houses come back on the market uh, in about the same, at least in our MLS, in about the same capacity that they were before. We're seeing price reductions about the same place they are before. Where I'm getting at is there's still this very positive ebb and flow to our housing market. So we're watching the numbers. There's consumer confidence. There's still low inventory, not only locally, but in the United States. There's still, um, uh, you know, rents are still um, going up right now. So I look at all those different factors and I say, um, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna come out of this. Uh, looking back, like it was a big pothole in the road. Um, I think we're gonna actually see the numbers, according to the most of the economists that I've been talking to, probably fourth quarter. But I think we're gonna, at least as far as the housing market is concerned, I think we're gonna rebound um, fairly quickly from this. Um, when you look at the, when you look at what's happened in China. Um, you know, post COVID nineteen, post the worst part of COVID nineteen, their their um, their economy is 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 growing very quickly right now, especially in the housing sector. So you know, while none of us have has a crystal ball, I look I like to look at those facts along the way, and I'm very optimistic about about the housing market. I don't see you know this gloom and doom. Most people still have equity in their in their homes right now, and they're they're not. Um, they're not ready to give that up. Plus, a good point to make is, um, you know, if I let my if I let my house go, it's going to cost me more right now in rent by letting this place go. It's going to cost me more out of pocket monthly to let the place go and go rent somewhere versus just hanging on to it. You know, one funny thing too. Go ahead, Susie. Go ahead, Susie. Does that help? Susie? Yeah. I think Tom to say something. Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, that definitely help. That definitely helps. And, you know, getting a picture and, you know, people looking at the current market today and maybe, you know, in Q4, what happens? I think, yeah, I agree. I think things will be stabilized later. I understand there's a lot of people losing their jobs right now and it's tough. And to also people are worrying about, you know, their current job in the situation. Can they afford to buy a house now? How's their company that they're working at? Is it going to be stable? You know, there's a lot of unknowns. But if you feel confident and you know that you have a pretty stable, secure job or, you know, your family does and you can afford it, it is a good time to think about it and to take action and to find it. Like during 2008, when I started real estate, uh, back when I was 24, I actually 
ran into the same situation where you know the market was changing and everything was crashing that was actually the best opportunity and we actually thrived during that time period we you know were able to help ourselves our clients and others investors buy properties multi-units make really good deals there was no one bidding in the market and we were bidding and winning every deal but we understood the money for our first-time buyers and how we educated them on how, what to do how to calculate everything how to buy now how to house hack back into 08 and get into good deals by doing that and timing it right we were able to come out successfully and yeah it's after the fact we look back now we actually made some really smart deals i made clients millions of dollars in real estate on individual properties because we knew that hey the i understand the lending industry is there at this point and the equities at a low point there's a lot of stated incomes but now if you look back you can say all the tech tech jobs were going up. You know, technology was booming. is go is growing. Even though it's small as a downturn, you can see the forecast is going to be greater. Like in 2020, what's changing right now? You see Tesla's growing. You see Amazon's growing. You see uh, people who are mobile first and companies that are global that think you know ahead of time. Like EXP is one of them. When you think of these things on how to move forward, then you can say, hey, based on this um, situation. You can say, okay, if I work at these companies, I probably will have a stable chance to grow and be safe, and I can make some good opportunities right now. And you know, even if it's three months from now, go from there. I, I love that. I love that. And and you know, one of the in, in to your point, Matthew. You know, many of the agents that I know that are on top of their game have made more for their clients than what's in their stock portfolio. Yep. Um, over a certain period of time. And I think, I think we're missing out on an opportunity here. You know, I just jotted some stuff down as far as general templates for a listing consultation or presentation. But yeah. one of the things that I always go in and say, first of all, is, you know, um, I'm here to help you and your family build wealth over time. I don't want you to think of me as a transactional real estate agent. I want you to think of me as somebody who's an advisor, just like your financial planner or your financial advisor. Some, you know, how can you leverage your equity in your house? How about a flip or investment property? How about buying a rental property to add to your portfolio? There's so many, and not that those are outside of the box concepts, but for most agents, they're not, they're thinking very streamlined as far as let's just get through this transaction instead of opening that up and saying, I have value. Let me be, uh, let me help you guide. Let, let me guide you through building wealth through real estate. Yeah, I think um, one of the term one of the terminologies I actually use for my team is that hey, you know, like Sean just said, we're not transactional. We actually try to make sure that our agents are thinking about it as a relationship way. But you're building real estate portfolios. You're becoming an asset manager, and right. to say that even if it's your first time house, your last house, your only house, you're a, you're a real estate consultant advisor, and you're building assets for people. If you can help them and think of an advisory role on how to guide them for the long term and their families, you'll do really well by building a lot of relationships that way because they know your number one goal is to help serve them and provide long-term value. Even for my clients, I, like 10 years, I'm still looking at their numbers, they're refinancing the rates, how to help them save money, how to build equity faster, when to sell, when to buy, when to trade. And right. that's why they keep you know, providing really great relationships. They become your brand advocates. Well, you're also, yes, and you're also um, sharing with them your value proposition which isn't just transactional, it's, it's, hey, you know, we're in a mutually beneficial relationship, right? I mean, I'm calling you to invest in another property, obviously that helps me, but overall, 
hey, um, you know, if we can get you 5% ROR, rate of return on an investment property, or help you flip a property or develop something, um, or cash out your equity or get a lower interest rate, all those things um, are what we should be doing as an industry to share value instead of it just being, hey, what's your commission, right? Right. Hey, Sean, so uh, for the investors and buyers out there, do you think there will be an enormous opportunity to buy properties at very affordable prices in the near future, kind of like you know what you've done for your buyers and investors in the past? Um, great question, and I got this question yesterday. Um, I mean, let's be real. We're still in a very strong seller's market. That's what the numbers point towards. Uh, we'll see what, what that looks like, you know, in, in four or five or six months. And that's going to be contingent upon the liquidity in the lending world, specifically for residential residential uh, purchases. Um, you know, I, I don't see that there's going to be a huge up, you know, upsell for an investor to purchase, to be honest with you, in the short term, at least. Um, we are in a shifting market. I, I, again, I think it's a, a bit of a bumpy, uh, a bump market, but if you can find something for your client or if you're out there and you're an investor and it's a, you know, it's either a flip property and you're making between 15 to 20% or it's a rental property and you're making 5%, I think you're doing really very well right now with that, with that investment, you know, um, short term holds. I don't see there's being a huge opportunity in the in in the short term. We've still got so many players out there who are in, who want to be in the flipping game, who are in the flipping game, who are running that business model. Many of the times, at least in Sacramento right now, people are um, you know we've got crews that are working, and the corporation or the 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 small investor isn't making anything. They're just trying to keep their workers going and and you know keep it keep it even. Uh, so that when things come back, they can, you know, they can jump on some opportunities. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I see. What about you guys? What do you what do you see? Well, for, for me, it's, it's all about the data, right? Um, yeah. yeah, there are fewer uh, newer listings, but there are still transactions that are pending. There are there are still transactions that are being closed. And right. in terms of buyers, um, buyers will buy, right? If they're actively looking for something, they will buy. And sellers, if they have to sell, they'll sell. So right now, uh, I'm not seeing, you know, it's, it's definitely a very strong seller's market. So I'm not really seeing that transition into the buyer's market anytime soon. Um, that being said, you know, none of us have a crystal ball, like you mentioned, Shine. Um, but, right. you know, the, the longer this uh, coronavirus does take hold and the longer people can't pay their mortgages, people can't, you know, get income, the more unemployment rates go up. You know, the longer this persists, I do think it will impact the housing market at some point in time. But right now, as of now, when we speak, it's not that big of an impact, at least in terms of what I see in, 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 in uh, for, for the data, at least. So how do you see that uh, great response, by the way. And how do you see that um, your response? What do you think that would look like in the media right now? I mean, in the media, there's a lot of um, negative news coverage, right? Um, you know, people dying every day. Um, you know, in the in the news coverage, well, you know, the, the 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 housing market is going to go to, you know, it's just going to plummet um, anytime soon. Like, um, but you know, I I I I professionally believe that this 
time around is very different from the 08 crisis. We have equity in our homes. We actually have cash that we can access. And, you know, we're, we're a lot smarter than the, you know, previous downturn. So I think in terms of the news coverage, you know, these are, these are all speculations, right? We're all in this new um, situation altogether. So none of us have experienced this before. Great response. Um, so Matt, let's do uh, you know, let's do a rapid fire mm -hmm. on um, listing right now. What, yeah. it, what it looks like, and, and some of the things that you know you're seeing, and some of the things that we're doing. Uh, and, and this is more geared towards agents, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, some of the things that I wrote down. How are um, you? Must have a listing template or glossary for every listing. It must be the same. Uh, there can be no deviation because the more deviation you have to, in your process for the listing, uh, the more room there is for failure. Um, I would ask yourself, what am I doing right now to crush the listing presentation? This is a small plug because next week I'm going to do 21 ways to crush the listing presentation as a, as a Zoom Facebook Live. Um, what, are you, what is your process? What are the customer service touches you're using before the before and after the consultation? Is your consultation on Zoom? You know, most most of the listing consultations we're doing right now are on Zoom, and there must be some customer service touches before that Zoom call. Other thing we're having clients do before the call is do a walkthrough and and email it to us. I don't want to be at the Zoom listing presentation and having them walk through the house. That's my time to really connect with them, not necessarily understand the floor plan or the condition of the house. So make sure that uh, if Susie, if we're having a listing consultation tomorrow, I'm going to say, Susie, can you do me a favor? Do a quick four or five minute video walkthrough and text it or email it to me. Okay. Um, you must send them examples of your marketing materials prior to the consultation. When you're at the consultation, Use your, um, you know, via Zoom, use the share screen app to share with them market statistics via whatever you're using, whether it's a local association statistic or we use Alto, what's a company called Altos Research, whatever, whatever you have, you share with them visually where you're getting that information from. Um, Understand the market. Be a, be a student of the market so that if anybody asks you what's happening with the market, you've got a nice, not canned response, but truthful response about what's happening based on the numbers. Um, have the conversation with them, the safety strategy conversation about COVID-19. Next, have many methods of valuation so that, they, so that you can understand. Uh, it's not just me who's coming up with an opinion saying, Matthew, here's why I think your property is worth a million dollars. It's me saying, Matthew, based on the numbers, price per square foot, comparative market analysis or substitution, cost income approach, here's, where, here's the ballpark number that your house is lying in. And to follow that up is it should sell within X amount of days, 30 days, at you know 95% of list price so that you can deliver that upfront to them. Are these helping so far? Yep. Okay. So that's the other thing that you want to use in the middle of your conversation with them is you want to get their buy-in on it. Susie, does this sound good to you? Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Yeah. You know, do you like what you're hearing so far? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we could potentially work together? 
I think so. Okay. What if, you know, what if I could, we talked earlier about why you're selling. What if I could help you with that? See those transitional buy-in terms that I'm using? You got to throw those into the listing consultation at some point to get their, get their buy-in and make sure that they're understanding what you're saying and that, you know, you guys like each other. All right. Five methods of valuation. Um, share with them your actual marketing plan. It, um, you know, Matthew, if you list with me, here's what you can expect for my 5% commission. Solve the objections up front. Here's why I charge 5%. Per, 5%. Here's why I charge 6%, Matthew, because I'm going to give you, you know, 30,000 uh, 30, network exposure via Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm going to boost your property. You know, it's going to reach 45,000 people immediately when you list with me. We're going to send it out to 12,000 people. Is that important to you, Matthew? Yes. Do you see how that can, you know, do you see how uh, a marketing, a, a vast marketing program like this can get you more exposure? Okay. So we're using phrases like that within our marketing addendum, solving objections up front. Okay. If you've gone through, you know, the way you should script your listing presentation is much like a play, right? So we start, we finish, we hook, we, we move through all these different parts of the movie or, or the play. Um, but what you want to do during that, when you're scripting this out, is handle any objections, whether that's you as an agent or a new agent. Some people are listening out there. Whether it's your company, whether it's your commission, whether it's the price of the property. If you've gotten that, if you if you've done it properly at the end of this conversation that you're having, there shouldn't be any objections. That's that's the true goal, okay, of the listing presentation. Um, tell the story of your past listings. So Matthew, can I share with you the, uh, a past, a past listing of mine? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Okay, great. We just closed on 123 Main Street. Um, and you know where that started out with was, uh, a listing consultation much like this. Those folks chose to list with me. Um, we pre-marketed the house. We had it staged. We had it painted. Um, the first week we marketed, we had over 80,000 hits on social media and Facebook. We had 30 people through on the broker tour. We had 70 people through the first week of our open house. You know how many offers that elicited? How many? That elicited five offers. Of those five offers, four were conventional, two were cash. We ended up choosing one of the cash offers that came in at 3% above list price. We were able to close in 15 days and allow for a rent back. Would those type of uh, illustrations be important to a client? Yes. Yeah, because ultimately, sale, ultimately sales, persuasion, influence, which is really what we are in the business of. I don't like to use the word sales because I like, you know, nobody wants to be sold. But uh, many of the times I, I see agents are afraid to exert themselves uh, because they don't want to, you know, have a friction with the client. When in reality, our job is to be persuasive because are your clients always right? Not always. Not always. And most of the time, this is the way I conceptually think about it. If I went to an attorney and I said, hey, I need some help here, you know, with whatever, uh, you know, and then I come up with my own solution. It, that's really not serving me, is it? I'm looking for. I'm going to the attorney for a reason. 
your client is coming to you for a reason. You need to be stoic enough to tell them the truth. There's phrases that you can use to that. Like, you know, one of them that I written, wrote this down, Matthew, you're in control here. My job is to provide you some professional advice, but may I be honest with you? Yeah. Love yeah. We're asking permission, right? So those were just some of the, and I've got a whole bunch here. I could go on and on and on, but those were just some of the, the things that I wrote down that I thought maybe the, the uh, listening audience uh, would find useful. It sounds like you know your numbers really well, and you know how to present it uh, well. And I see that I think that you know not all agents out there actually know their numbers and know like, for example, the conversion ratios, the numbers of people who come to open house, the inquiries, the agents, even following up with a list of agents who actually went through your lockbox, went through your open house, uh, emailed you in some or messaged you in some capacity. Um, not everyone understands that or keeps track of it. How do you guys do that? Well, I have, I have a fabulous assistant who monitors all that. We have a system. It's called, um, you know, many of you or some of you who are listening from KW know the Ben Kenny system for privity. Um, but it's one system we can log in and really track and look at everything as far as, um, you know, Zillow hits. And, and we've just created a template out of it. This is what every seller wants to know. You know, if you're selling a house, uh, it would be great if every Tuesday – you got this email from me that says, hey, a thousand people this week looked at it on Zillow, 40 of them saved it. You know, we had uh, three email responses from out of town agents. We had four phone calls. All of that system between the, our CRM and our internal template and this platform, we're able to track all that. Yeah, so agents out there, you know, definitely you guys should be tracking, making sure that you track all the numbers. I know a lot of them are out there are tracking, but some for the ones who are not tracking, it matters because when you have this data, you can actually present it really well to your client and your client actually has a better understanding of what's going on with their property compared to the market. And if you don't have the numbers, you're just guessing. And how are you negotiating pricing on terms of, you know, the value and making sure that they're getting the best deal they can for themselves without knowing the numbers? Completely agree, Matthew. And, and how can you have a price reduction conversation with them if you yourself haven't really been tracking the numbers? You know, if I, it, it, yeah, right. If I'm with Susie and I go, Susie, hey, listen, we had 10,000 people look at this property last week. And that's that that has equaled zero showings. What, what do you think that means about the listing? Can I just say this? Like some some people might say, well, you know, actually we haven't had any activity in the last two weeks or so. No one came in. Um, you know, I'm, they haven't seen my your listing, and I think we just need to negotiate the price. We we need to reduce the price. Yeah, we need to reduce the price. But the, you know, but the agents have have you looked at your numbers? Have you um, posted to social media, advertised? What have you done to market the property to uh, to you know create a price reduction? Are, yeah, are you, are you asking me or are you just making that? Uh, this is a statement. Like, yeah, no, I, I am, I'm in complete agreement with you. It, right. It's like, you know, um, it, it's it's funny because I'm just, I, I, I really watch, you know, um, what's happening in the market. I am a student of the numbers. I watch how other people service their listings. And, you know, I hate to say this, but as an industry, I, I you know, I saw one listing last week that the listing agent literally took a picture uh, out of their car door and I could see the internal, you know, window frame of the car. And I'm just going, no wonder folks think that. <laughs> and, and, and I just go, no wonder, you know, if I'm thinking that and I'm in the industry, like, what are you thinking? 
um, the bigger conversation is out there that's out there is what's the consumer thinking and and this is why you know we really need um, this has been one of my goals and Matthew I think you will agree with me but this has been one of my goals as um, somebody in the lead, in, in in the real estate industry is we have to raise the bar you know we've got to get to the point where we're calling these agents out and you know unfortunately um, all of this stuff that I'm talking about, you know, for certain people, doesn't matter. Last week, I, I'll, I'll be very transparent with you. I lost a listing because I wouldn't reduce my commission. Okay. And somebody else came in and said, hey, I'll do it for 1%, you know. And, and I, it, it, luckily, I'm at a point in my career where I don't have to be manipulated like that. But, I, you know, you can only imagine what you have to deal with as a listing agent if they're already beating it, if they're beating up as, at one percent, what that's going to be like the entirety of that listing, especially in you know a different market like this, and so you know, um, yeah. there's no guarantee. All this stuff that we do, there's no guarantee we're going to get these listings right. But we got to follow a model so that we can go back and track those numbers and say, what did I do wrong here? Like I always see there's conversations that you have with yourself after a listing presentation. It's like, man, I should have said that. What did I leave on the table? And like, when you get back to the office, it's like, Oh, they didn't really like me. They didn't want to list with me. You know, you kind of talk yourself out of it. I say to those agents, especially right now in our industry, if you've got a zoom call with them, you got to lay it all on the table. You got to come with energy inside excitement, enthusiasm, prepared, knowing your numbers, ready to go to battle, ready to fight and and connect with those people and really solve a problem for them and ultimately then end it and say, okay, Susie, this has been a great call. Um, I want to be your agent. When can I come and look in the house? You know, you got to, you, you know, agents out there, you got really got to take control of your business because especially where you guys are uh, versus us, not that, not that our commissions are, super small, but a commission for you guys could be 50,000 bucks. Like that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, here it's a little bit less, whatever. I'm, I got some jealousy factor, but, 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 what I'm, but what I'm saying is go to war, fight for it right now. Um, lay it all on the table, get, you know, get it, um, connect. Yeah, it, it matters because, you know, I, you know, for example, for, for buyer and seller, I get it. You, you can, it's, you have the right to ask and it's up to the agent to say yes or no. And ultimately they should decide their own values. And even clients for me, like when I did it in the $3 million ranges, clients asked me, do you, would you reduce your commission? I'll just say, no, um, you know, me, you know, my value, you know, the information I provide, the analytics I provide and how I add value and make you money. I'm not going to reduce my commission just for you to, you know, to get a better deal. You want a better deal. You work with me because I'll get you more money. I'll make you more equity on your deal. I'll show you how to create investment opportunity. And they'll say, okay, I had to ask though. You right. Know? right. That's their, that's the right. They should, they should ask. Yeah, you want a place to sleep, go to the Motel 6. You yeah. want somebody who's going to take care of you and feed you champagne and provide a great level of customer service and an experience. Hey, and most of the time, I'll share with you this, part of the part of our listing presentation has our list price versus sales price ratio, which exceeds what the normal MLS is. And when, you know, I had this conversation about two weeks ago, somebody was going to hire a Redfin agent and they go, well, they'll do it for 1%. And I said, well, what's that? How is that going to affect your net? Right. I mean, on average, the, the Redfin agents, at least here, well, now they, they've lost some, some folks, but the Redfin agents here are about 96% of 
their list price. I'm at 99% right now, which is normal. So, you know, right there, I'm going to save them 3%. So what are they, you know, what are they haggling over? They're going to get higher net because I've got better negotiation skills, better customer service, better exposure and marketing uh, than them. So uh, that's, that's really be- knowing your value proposition when it, when it comes to commissions. Exactly. I think I've seen that too before, like where, you know, one, uh, one client said, Oh, I want to get a better discount from another agent. I'm like, great. You got, you know, you saved like a couple thousand dollars, but you just paid 20,000 more in value for that property when you didn't even have to look at all the comparables. Why'd you pay more? Right. Well, here's what I'll share with you. Um, you know, is, uh, Tom Ferry says, uh, as far as agents asking for the close, only 20% of agents at a listing presentation go for the close more than once. What does that mean? It means 80% of listing presentations, the agent only asks for the close one time. You've got to build in and script in to the way that you are going about closing at least three times to try and get that contract signed, to get that follow-up connection. Um, Brent Gove calls this the magic move. It's like if we had, if this was a listing presentation, we don't just simply say, okay, guys, it was a great conversation. I'll wait to hear from you. We're in control and saying, when can we schedule the next call uh, or Zoom call? Or when can I come over and meet with you? And can we have a professional, uh, can we have a professional handshake that you won't hire anybody else until we've had a follow-up call? Yeah. So, so Sean, uh, why, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think only 20% of the agents actually go for the close after the first time? Um, they don't have any sales skills. They don't know how to, they don't know how to overcome objections. Simply put folks who are listening out there or listening out there, your listing skills and your listing consultation, your is your number one skill. It's what we do, uh, you know, we're, we're prospecting, lead generating every day, connecting with people, trying to get this listing appointment. We spend so much time on all that other stuff instead of really having understanding people, understanding the right questions to ask, solving the problem, focusing on, uh, you know, um, brochures or marketing materials and in reality it's this kind of conversation it's this problem solving that they're hiring us for so So, that 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 would be it you know ultimately brass tax it's there's not there's not they don't ask the right questions and there's not a lot of sales skills behind it so so sean would you say that at the end of the day it's all about mindset yeah i mean it's it's about in, in more than one way, yes, yeah. Mindset for the agent, um, growth. Really, I think I think that's what it is. Um, understanding that failure is part of the game, um, and how are you, how are you learning from that failure? When when I first got in the industry, I would we would serve. I don't do it any so much anymore because now we do testimonials, right? But I would survey them and say, you know, what did I really mess up on? It, it, it's the things that, you know, out there, if you're listening, it's the things that you know you're not good at that you need to really focus on to get better and break through that ceiling of achievement. You'll find that characteristic amongst top producing agents. And that's a fear of, uh, of loss. 
Really, that's what it boils down to. If you ask me, why do you do that, Sean? Because I, I don't care so much about winning, but I hate losing. And I think many of the people that I coach or that I talk to or that I see the characteristic of a top producer, they have that same mindset. It's like, I don't need to be number one, but, but I, don't want to be, I, I don't want you to beat me, Susie. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's, and that's part, a part of mindset. We got to get over uh, the, the fear of rejection. We got to get over the fear of failure. You, you know, out of eight, you know, 800 sales, that means I probably lost 300 and I probably lost another 300 listing consultations, right? At a 50-50 close ratio or 60-40 close ratio. So I've gotten really good at accepting that it's okay to fail. With it, but in my mind, I put structures around that and systems around that so that I could go back and try and tweak those. If you have no system, you can never monitor how, uh, you know, how to get better. Isn't that the same way, like, you know, professional athletes think about, you know, their, their careers and how they monitor and they do sports analytics and they analyze every single shot they take, for example, you know, and that's how they improve. But without knowing the shots you take and without measuring, you can't track success. Very much so. It, yeah, and, and that's a great point for, for agents that are listening. It's like you got to gamify it. There's got to be a game board, a tracking measure, whether that's, A, how many contacts, how many leads, how many appointments did I go on, what was my conversion ratio. Each one of those are coachable moments. Going back to mindset, Susie, it's like this. If you're not coachable, you're going to have a hell of a time in this business because really what it boils down to is, you got to coach yourself and say, okay, uh, you know, I went up against three people at this listing consultation. Why didn't I get it? You got to be okay with asking those questions. And I asked the, the question of this listing that I lost. I was pissed off that I lost it. But I asked the question like, well, what was it? What, what, what did they have that I didn't have? Because, and, and here's a script for that. Susie, you know, I appreciate the fact that you um, chose somebody else to work with. But I'm a student of my craft, and I'm hoping that you can share with me why you chose someone else. And they came back and they just said, yeah, they're, they, they were at 1%, and I'm at 2.5%. So what does that tell me? It tells me I didn't explain my value proposition good enough during the conversation. Right? That's a, teaching, that's a teachable moment for me. Or else they just needed a number. They wanted the 1%, not the 25 and they couldn't justify to themselves or even with your explanation how you make up the difference for them in terms of the sale price or the marketing exposure they can get to get the higher sales price. That's right. That's right. So so to go further, Sean, about uh, adding to your value proposition, then uh, would you bring that up in the beginning of your listing presentation, for example, in order to target that objection handling uh, right from the get-go? Well, one of the things that I would ask is, you know, Susie, thanks for meeting with me today. You know, um, I last week I, I spoke with five other sellers and this whole month, I, you know, I've, I've spoken with a total of 15 different sellers. And at meetings like this, most of those most of those sellers want to know uh, the top five categories of, uh, you know, how I'm going to get their house sold, marketing, valuation customer service and I would go into that and I would say Susie which uh, commission uh, Susie which of the which of those two or three are most important to you uh, selling my house really fast and uh, you know getting it on the market <laughs> okay so so a quick sell is important to you 
and you know making sure that we develop a timeline to get the house on the market and what would be one other one other thing that might be important to you uh commission is important for me commission okay great so um here's what i'm going to cover to if it's okay with you susie here's what i'm going to cover today and i'm going to finish with those three you know um how we get the house on the market what the commission looks like and selling the house, you know selling the house quickly are you okay with that yeah, sure. Okay, so then I'm going to go through all, I'm going to hit every one of those other topics that I've just talked about, marketing and this and that, and then I'm going to focus on those three, those really three um, main topics for you. Susie, you know, would it be helpful if I developed an itinerary for you getting the house on the market? Yes. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, how quickly do you want to sell it? Um, when it, you know, when it, uh, anyway, developing that timeline. And then ultimately I'll finish with the, um, so yeah, it's something along the lines of, so who else are you interviewing? What companies are you interviewing? That way I'll kind of know where, if I am interviewing a Redfin agent or am I going to be against one of the big box older companies, you know, Coal Bank or whatever, and I'll kind of know their commission structure. But yeah, then I'll dive right in and I'll say, well, here's why um, when I'm going over the marketing, here's why I charge 5%. Is that important to you? or 6% here, what here, was that important to you? You know, getting exposure to the property. I can go back and tell that story. You know, we sold the last house cash offer in a quick close at 102% over list price. The property was 600,000. So I got them an extra 12 grand versus my competitor versus the MLS. You can utilize those things and, and that system to, you know, win. What's that? I said thank you for explaining that. No problem. No problem. What so, else you got, Matt? Yeah, so we're, we're about to wrap up, but I just want to yeah. go through uh, one more fun fact before we wrap up. Uh, so, Sean, I I saw you mentioned before you were actually featured on HGTV House Hunters. How's that? How was that? You know, it was a unique. Uh, it was fun. I had a, I had a great time doing it. In fact, every once in a while, you'll see somebody. One of my clients will. Uh, Ask me to post that on, uh, if somebody sends me a message, I'll repost it. But I uh, had a great time doing it. Um, in fact, one of the one of the pilots that um, uh, I, I worked with in the Navy, who was on the East Coast relocating out here, saw the episode and actually called me and said, hey, I'm moving out there. You know, can you represent me? And, and uh, ended up selling them a, a few subsequent houses. But, uh, you know, really what it was, was I was trying to pitch a TV show. Uh, to the producers of HGTV, which this was this was back in the in the recession of the life of a house because we were seeing so many houses. You know, there was a story there for those people who were getting foreclosed on, and then we were going in and we were fixing up the property. The bank was fixing up the property, and then we were relisting it. And so I wanted to tell the story of the house um, and, and what that looked like. And uh, they said, "Well, you know, maybe not so much, but hey, we've got house hunters coming up to Sacramento and." Would you like to be part of that, um, you know, part of that production? And so, uh, so I had a good time. Nice. I think I actually saw back in the days when I was, you know, uh, in real estate and watching TV, I think I saw you on House Hunters. And I was like, hey, you look familiar when I met you today. I was like, yeah. I've seen him somewhere. That's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it again. I mean, you should. It, yeah, it's great. You should. It's, uh, it's great exposure and, and uh, fun and, you get to see the the kind of quirks that happen behind the scenes and how they produce and put put the video together. But I'm a big fan of the show, to be honest with you. I really like the uh, the international uh, the international versions of it of it. 
uh, watch those quite often. Yeah. Okay, Sean. So um, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can Facebook me, uh, Sean Work, S-E-A-N-W-O-R-K. You can LinkedIn me. Uh, my cell phone number is 916-847-2175. There you go. Oh, I see it there. Beautiful. That's it. That's how you get me. Um, you know, reach out. Uh, most of you that know me uh, or in the industry, you know, I'm always willing to help. I think it's my my job to help other agents out. Um so, you know, whatever you need, reach out and I'll, I'll, um, I'll definitely respond, do my best. You know, I know Matthew, after all this is over, we'll be, we'll be doing some events in the, in the Bay. And, um, I'm usually down there, uh, you know, a couple times a month, um, helping support agents down there and, and, uh, connecting and just having a good time. And, um, you know, whatever I can do for, for both you or, uh, Matthew and Susie, or anybody else watching, uh, or anybody else in the industry, um, you know, I, I, I'd love to, love to help. I'm glad, you know, thank you so much for, you know, all the information you provided to us and to all the agents out there. I'm sure, you know, if they can take a look back at this you know, video, appreciate all the added value uh, points you gave to them to help them with their listings and to help their clients. Uh, it definitely makes sense to rewatch this video and understand in this market, there is a lot of opportunity. You just have to understand how to do it, how to navigate it and get around everything and don't let no stop you. Find out more information about with other people, other vendors as well to get the right answer you need and to figure out a solution. That's how you see it in this uh, industry. Uh, another thing is real quick before we wrap up is that if you guys want to see more about Sean work, uh, we actually have a few mastermind events from Sean uh, at our office. Uh, one is regarding database management and the other one is the habits of a highly pro top, uh, productive top producer. And Sean has sold over 63 houses in 2019 alone and in his career over 800 plus uh, helped over 800 plus clients feel free to check out more reach out to sean work uh suzy lee or myself matthew ma and we'll see you guys in the next one next wednesday at 10 o'clock awesome thanks guys cool. thanks thank you guys, guys. Thank talk you. to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you. Okay, bye bye